Hello everyone and welcome to the We Champion podcast. I am Macy Sadud, We Champion Head. And I'm Jared Burbo, We Champion Officer. So we are We Champion from the UP Junior Marketing Association. And for this semester's advocacy, we present to you Health Check, an online educational advocacy on COVID-19. So Health Check aims to educate Filipinos on the impact of COVID-19 on the health, economic, and political sectors through both online publications and podcasts and webinars. So this is in line with our goal of providing crucial and relevant information to the Filipino people with regards to the pandemic situation in the Philippines right now. So for our first initiative for this semester, we will be having our first podcast episode on the state of public and private hospitals entitled COVID-19 Through the Lens of Frontliners. This podcast will help us understand how the hospital operation system for both COVID-19 and non-COVID-19 cases work, and as well as discuss the welfare of frontliners and their opinions on how they believe the crisis should be managed. So with us today is Dr. Carla Miguel Berba, a medical oncology fellow from the Philippine General Hospital. So graduating from the Ateneo de Manila University with a Bachelor of Science in Psychology before proceeding to medicine at the University of the Philippines College of Medicine. He completed his training in internal medicine under the Philippine General Hospital, where he is now at the Division of Medical Oncology. Also joining us today is Ms. Leslie Babasa, a registered nurse from the Intensive Care Unit of the Medical City, to share with us their stories and experienced opinions regarding the health crisis. Thank you, Dr. Burba and Nurse Babasa, for taking the time to join us and agreeing to share your valuable insights with us today. So this, I feel, is a really, really important conversation to have and should offer a much-needed perspective and insight. Only right that we should highlight our modern-day heroes amidst this pandemic. So without further ado, let us begin. So to start, let's first focus on you guys, our speakers, the frontliners. So um, can you please walk us through your typical day in the field? So is there some sort of general routine to this or is every day a different day? Uh, let's start with Nurse Leslie. Hi, good afternoon. Um, on a daily basis, we usually have a daily routine. We have pre-conferences every duty. We usually have um, two shifts every uh, 12 hours each. So twice a day in pre-conferences. Patients are being discussed, new memorandums concerns of the units and concerns of the nurses. Um, me, as one of the senior staff nurses in the ICU, usually receive endorsements after that. Um, and because I usually am a cold nurse or an ECG nurse, ang endorsement is for the whole ICU uh, endorsements. Um, in all the cases, their critical um, arrhythmias nila sa buong shift. So, it's a typical routine talaga lang sa amin. So how about you po, Dr. Berba? How does your general routine go? Uh, well, for me, it really depends on the day or even the month. Uh, the way we typically work in a hospital is, as trainees is that you have rotating posts. So it depends where you're assigned for that day, that week, or that month. So typically, we have to juggle face-to-face -face clinics in the outpatient, uh, inpatient rounds, um, Sometimes we have teleconsults, especially recently. And then we have our own studies because we're still under training as well as administrative tasks. Um, we also have uh, more multidisciplinary team conferences uh, where we 
similar to what Nurse Babasa said, um, discuss patients. Sometimes we do endorsements or we attend endorsements um, in the main hospital. Um, and in particular, we're also masteral students, masters in clinical medicine. So we have our own classes under UP Manila. For instance, I just came from one a while ago. So we have to balance those things uh, along with our clinical duties. All right. Thank you, Paul. So I guess it's really safe to say that your schedule is super, uh, very busy, very demanding, and also I guess at some point taxing because you're really um, uh, trying to work out so many different uh, cases, trying to assist different patients. Um, with that, Paul, I think I want to ask, siguro po, what's one of the most challenging times so far for health professionals across the globe? Okay, because you already mentioned your general routine, po. So with those challenges also, what keeps you motivated, po? Uh, let's start with Nurse Leslie, po. The, the thought na lang, the thought na sana one of, their page, one of our patients will be the lucky ones na will walk out of the ice. Um, ang hirap kasing tingnan lahat ng patients. We know lahat ng COVID patients, non-COVID or non-COVID patients, pag pumapasok sa ECU, parang sometimes makikita na namin kung ano yung magiging trend nung um, stay niya. So, um, as much as possible, um, sana yung hope lang namin na they are one of the few patients na will come out sa ICU na okay and the thought na sana just namin sana this pandemic will soon be over doon na lang kami nag uh, we're just uh, holding on just a hope na sana sooner or later that this will be all over um, we're trying to ease yung, yung, yung pain and suffering ng mga patients trying to um, help them not the trying to tell them that they are not alone. Yun na lang yung nagpamotivate na lang sa amin sa, in a day-to-day basis. Okay, okay. Thank you. How about for How about you, you po, Dr. Dr. Berba? First, I believe that siguro may sari-sarili tayong pinagdadaanan. So, it's very difficult to say where each person is at. Um, whether you're a healthcare professional or otherwise, this pandemic has hit us all hard. But I guess from our side, in terms of motivation, by the time you're a fellow in training or even a resident um, or a, a senior nurse with so many years of medical training or medical experience, um, eight or nine in my case, that you really do learn to dig deep and push forward. I mean, this is a duty, it's a vocation, it's a profession that we did choose to do and we continue to do so. Uh, so that moves us forward. In cancer care, um, it, it doesn't take a lot of spotlight nowadays with all the news about COVID, COVID, COVID. But the other illnesses are still there. And we still have to see these cancer doesn't come in. We have to continue caring for these people because that's part of the healthcare we have to. Um, okay, so I guess from there, po, uh, that I think from what the both of you answered, that's how I, that's what we want to hear from this podcast. It's really seeing. You, um, it's seeing through your lenses, seeing through um, on a personal level how our frontliners interact with their patients. And from there, po, I can see that there's really this personal attachment, well-being, and for the betterment of everyone, whether or not you're related to them, whether or not they're the patient assigned to you. It's really just a system of interconnectedness. And um, how about you? There, I'm sure that there's a lot of stress, a lot of fears, frustrations that come with the demanding job of being a frontliner. So um, how about you, Po? What are you feeling? How is the um, day? How, does it, how do you um, view your job as a frontliner 
Um, let's start with Nurse Leslie mm-hmm. Colet. Um, to tell the truth, um, as frontliners, not siguro hindi lang kami sa IC or most of the nurses here in the Philippines are a little bit demoralized. Not maybe, not just only because some of us are being discriminated, but because we are not fully compensated with for what we are worth here in the Philippines compared to sa countries. Um, hindi ko masisisi yung ibang nurses kung bakit hindi sila nag-volunteer dun sa program ng DOH na um, para ma-compensate yung mga kulang na staff sa mga private hospitals or sa public hospitals. Um, government hospitals may give um, yung malaking sweldo but yung security ng place hindi maibigay. Sa private hospitals, we may have complete ng mga gamit but financially, Halos kalahati ang sweldo namin sa, 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 sa hospital. Not just maybe, not maybe all of the private hospitals, yun ang mga problems. Um, sana lang before ang mga nurses uh, mag, um, to apply or to go to a hospital training, they are, must be physically and mentally prepared. Not just physically. If you're not prepared as a whole, you're gonna give up more or less sa, sa in a month or two as well as some of the cases sa hospital namin. There are one nurse na nagtanong, tinanong ko one time, bagong nurse, for about a month pa lang, and I told and then asked him, how are you? Tapos sabi niya, ano kayo lang? Yung totoo, how are you? Sabi ko, huwag ka magsinamarin sa akin. That new nurse told me, ma'am, ang hirap palang matlabaho sa ICU ng COVID cases. Sabi niya, hindi niya raw akalain na gano'n kahirap, sabi ko. Sabi ko, totoo yan. Hindi, ay, ay, hindi ako mag-sugarcoat and anything, sabi ko. Mahirap talaga. So, kung di mo kaya, sabihan mo lang, tutulungan Yun na lang pang distress namin. Nagtutulungan na lang kami sa, sa, sa ICU, whether mahirap o madilay yung isang patient. So, handing-handa lang yung ginagawa namin. Sana lang makita lang ng mga government, such as the government or other private hospitals, yung worth na isang nurse yung hirap nila. But at least ma-aplift man lang yung spirits namin while working. Thank you. Just for your, some of our viewers who might not be as informed, you mentioned that there were instances of like discrimination. Were, are there any specific um, instances where maybe you personally or some of your peers were victim of those um, instances of discrimination? Um, personally na lang. I was a COVID-positive patient in the first month ng, ng pandemic na to. I was diagnosed in positive March 13. What I had was, dahil nga bago lang siguro, yung um, name ko, the name of my husband, the name of my kids, was nasa social media. And therefore, taming yung name ko na and my family. And yung house ko, may picture lahat yon na this is the house of the positive patient, the COVID positive. Sa mga group chats, makikita mo, naka-screenshot, pinapadala sa akin ng mga friends ko, andun yung picture ng bahay namin, nakalagay doon na huwag kayong dadaan sa street, so mahahawa kayo lahat. The whole family has COVID. Yung ganun cases na bakit ganun ka ano yung yung yung, yung active ng utak ng mga tao na sabi nila pag dumaan ka sa state na yun mahahawa kayo agad um, doon ako naniwala na Filipinos are not that masyado sila sa, sa totoong information na lumalabas sa 
sa social media, they must be more, mas naniniwala sila sa mga chismis at sa mga kung ano yung paniniwala ng ibang peers. Ano na, not just before until now, may mga kasamahan ako sa ICU na magmumol lang. Pag nakascrub suit sila sa isang mall, nakikita mo pag sumakay sila sa elevator, kahit siya lang mag-isa doon, biglang hindi papasok yung mga tao sa loob ng elevator. Nakikita lang kasi nakascrub suit. I don't think nurses will parang risk na lalabas na ito ba yung suit na hospital gaan, hospital scrub suit ko inside the hospital, ilalabas ko. I don't think they are that um, narrow-minded na lalabas para lang mahawa yung ibang tao. So, yung mga ganon cases na madami pa until now, hindi lang siguro ganon ganon ka um, nababalita ngayon kasi naipap, na, na, na news kasi agad sa, sa social media eh. So, siguro ngayon medyo akala mo lang wala. <laughs> Pero nararamdaman ng mga nurses when they go out. Okay, thank you po. I guess from there po nakikita natin na hindi lang po um, administrative saka physical po yung mga problema ng ating frontliners. Also po, the, there's a social stigma associated with them po na that we need to call to action and we need to call for change din po because um, they're not just um, like hindi lang naman po physical, hindi lang naman po trabaho yung hinahandle nyo. It, um, th- these are lives po. And it's important po that we not only respect our frontliners, but we also honor them and the sacrifices that they make. Thank you. And I think it's very surprising, Rin, that yun nga, people aren't really seeing the fact that these nurses, these frontliners, they're sacrificing so much, putting their lives in risk. And even when they're trying to maybe rejuvenate, relax, or just recover from their grueling work that they still have to face these challenges. Thank you very much. How about for you, Dr. Burbo? What are, what are your experiences and even your fellow frontliners? What, how are they coping with the stress and what are the different challenges that they're facing right now? Well, first, before I continue to uh, on, on my side, I, I can completely get behind what Ma'am Leslie was saying. Uh, bilang doctor, no, as a physician, um, in training, alam mo na yung nurses yung isa sa mga ka- kaakibat mo sa pagpapagaling ng isang pasyente. In fact, I mean, if you think about it objectively, you can, to a certain degree, the doctors have the easier job in the sense that although, yeah, you make the decisions, it's harder to think. Um, in terms of hours spent at the bedside. No, yung kasama yung pasyente. The physician typically comes in, you think about the patient, examine the patient. But afterwards, after you put your orders, you move on to a different patient. It's the nurses who stay with the patient. So, kumbaga, um, sa madaling salita, sila talaga yung sabak. No? And, and um, even as a trainee, I've always thought that they have a very difficult job and I've always looked up to them. So, the fact that we do see or we've uncovered a lot of... Um, sentiment rather that we wish that our nurses we're, we're with that we wish that our nurses should be valued more as a society and as a government we should be paying our nurses more because the discrepancy is so much i mean between private and government as well as between inside the philippines and outside the philippines and that's an entire separate discussion altogether but that's a digression no actually the nurses I encounter all the time are also sources of inspiration and motivation in moving around. I mean, kung kaya nila na masabak sila, dapat makayanan mo rin yung ginagawa mo. So that's one. Um, personally, as a physician, I think now, 
September going into October, I think we're a little better than what we were March, April, May. We've lost a good number of healthcare workers. Um, some of the people I've worked with have passed away. Uh, there are parents, uh, parents of friends, uh, seniors, teachers. I mean, you've, you've seen it. Uh, especially early on when we knew much less about the disease. And that earlier on, it was much more stressful, probably because the fear was much more. Although we had less cases then, parang you had to be on your toes all the time. Nakakapraning sa madaling salita. And the fact that the fear was always at the back of your head, that was a lot of mental stress on you. Uh, thankfully, in the hospital, uh, Philippine General Hospital, uh, the support was very strong. Um, the immediate push was to secure protection for the healthcare workers across the board, whether you're a janitorial staff, a nurse, a physician, consultant, the PPE was important. I mean, yung ano nun was PPE, no PPE, no duty. Um, and the support of the community around it was very, very strong. So as we moved forward, we began to understand more about the disease. Um, it became more manageable. Um, going to work became, well, a little bit easier no? because you knew na, alam mo na kung ano pinapasok mo, what to do, what not to do. The unknown part of it was a little less. But like Ma'am Leslie was saying, it depends for each group. No, I'm an oncologist, so I'm fortunate that most of my work works in the non-infectious side of the hospital and also not in the ICU. But I imagine the more critically ill patients, the more the ones in the emergency room, they have a much higher demand, higher stress environment. So, iba-iba siya. Iba-iba siya there. But as a cohort or as a group, thankfully, we're a little better now than we were back then. Okay, thank you. So, here for the next question. I, I'm sure a lot of our viewers would be very interested in knowing. On the days where you're not working or in your non-work hours, what do you personally do to just rejuvenate and re-energize yourself. Let's start with Dr. Berwa. Well, for me, um, I have a small family, so I spend time with them. It's ironic, no? You spend your whole life trying to learn how to be a doctor and then on your off days, you pretending you're not, no? But you're, you're, you're trying your best to uh, recharge, like you said, rejuvenate. But um, at the back of your head, you still know that you're going to come back. So, so you do the things you enjoy. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. And how about for you, Nurse Leslie? I'm during this lockdown. Siguro, it, it's a, in a positive way. I have time to spend more time with my family. They were here all the time. So, pag uwi ko, I can play with them, talk to them actually, because they have teenagers na. So, mas nakakapag-usap kami, nakakapag-bond kami. And I know Dr. Berba will agree with me. Pag off, patutulog. Pag-rest, ihigasa. <laughs> Pagdating na pagdating galing work, counting, talk with the family, and then you're gonna lie down. And then, and sarap tingnan mong kama <laughs> pagkagaling lalo na sa duty. As a mom, malam niya na, syempre, mommy duties, chores and everything have to be done. Okay, thank you po for sharing what you do as you rest and rejuvenate for another week of work and saving lives po. So, next, 
For the next segment, we aim to compare and contrast how both the public and private hospitals deal with their respectable issues and see which of these are sector-specific or are just general problems encountered by the healthcare system as a whole. For Dr. Berba, can you please enlighten us po on how the PGH system works and the problems that um, the Philippine General Hospital are currently facing? Uh, okay, so before I continue, I'll have to make a small disclaimer lang na of course, um, the views that I will share or I have shared and will share are personal views and don't represent the hospital, neither the university that I'm in. Uh, also, I don't have full knowledge of everything in the hospital. So this is what I know and in the experience. So uh, so the Philippine General Hospital, it's in uh, Taft Avenue, Manila. And the way it's designed together with the DOH system in government is it serves as a sort of referral center. So in theory, the way the healthcare system works is there are smaller hospitals in the provinces or in different areas with specific catchment areas that you go to to seek healthcare. When that hospital can't handle or it's a more complex case, the primary hospital goes up to a secondary hospital. And that goes up to a tertiary uh, hospital, which is where the PGH is classified, or even a quaternary hospital. So the idea here is that the PGH as a referral center should be the one to receive the very complex cases that couldn't be taken care of somewhere else. So the ones, the for instance, in cancer care, um, the PGH is designed to have different specialties present. So we have very experienced surgeons, uh, radiation oncology services, nuclear medicine, different subspecialties, even sub-sub-subspecialties. They are all there so that we can do multidisciplinary discussions of very complex cases that wouldn't be able to um, be taken care of somewhere else. So that's, that's the overall um, design so, uh, of, of the healthcare system. So... Now, to answer your question, um, so that's a system. What happened when COVID came along and what, what were the challenges? No? One of the challenges that immediately was brought up when the PGH was determined to be a COVID referral center was that um, what about our non-COVID patients? Because by the time around March that came around, we already had a long queue of non-COVID cases uh, in cancer or in other areas. And the question was san po sila pupunta because um, although there are other hospitals um, not everyone can afford not everyone is insured and not everyone is ready to um, handle catastrophic illness so the way the hospital dealt with it is we had a mandate to take care of covid cases so that was the first priority to so to be able to take care of covid cases effectively and safely for the healthcare workers. But at the same time, while that was happening, a lot of adjustments were happening in the background. So one of the things is that the hospital started to set up a telemedicine setup where patients who are afraid or couldn't come into the hospital could call. Um, there were certain adjustments to practice because especially early on, we couldn't do as many surgeries. So in cancer care, usually, just an example, Usually you have a surgery and chemotherapy after and then radiation maybe. Sometimes if we can't do the surgery, maybe we'll buy time with other agents, do chemotherapy first. In other words, long story short, 
there are adjustments that have to be made with certain care. Um, then you have to start preparing things. For instance, the clinic. Um, we had to while we were preparing the COVID wards, we were also preparing the face-to-face -face clinic, just in case we'd be able to open soon. And long, well, overall, we're trying to do what we can. So if we can start to open up the non-COVID wards a little bit, we try to do so. If we can do outpatient chemotherapy, we try to do so. It was a little bit of a struggle initially because the, the problem early on is we, were, we weren't sure what we would, anong mangyayari sa Pilipinas. No? We saw examples, for instance, in Italy, in Spain, in New York, wherein the hospitals were just overrun and we were afraid that that would happen to us. So after the initial surge and we, and we were more or less, we, we saw there were a lot of cases, but we were able to handle them. Then we started moving back to the non-COVID. Okay, thank you so much. Well, actually, as a person who's not really well-versed with um, the events of the health sector, um, this really helped me po understand. And especially that yung nasa news po ngayon, it's mostly COVID-related cases po. So, like, hindi ko po talaga naiintindihan kung ano po yung mangyayari sa mga non-COVID cases. So, thank you po for sharing that. Um, I also noticed po kasi nasa news, lagi pong nabibring up yung lack of beds and equipment and how our government leaders are willing to donate beds or something like that. So how does that uh, dilemma actually work? And is it really more, is it really just about giving more beds? Overcrowding or, or increase of demand has always been a problem of, of, of some government hospitals because there uh, are a lot of And with regard to, there's always a lack of beds, a lack of beds. Um, the bed, the actual bed, is probably the easiest part of the entire healthcare system. Just for an example, um, the way the way it works is that the ideal—I mean, Ma'am Leslie can correct me—the ideal nurse-to-patient ratio is somewhere between one is to three, one is to four, and after that, your nurse can properly look at everyone at the same time. If you're in an ICU, it should be one is to one. At most, in cases na they're recovering, it should be one is to two at most. So that's that's what it looks like. Um, in the PGH, there are instances that um, the nurses would handle somewhere between one is to 13, one is to 14. And in, in really bad cases, it can go as high as 18 to 20. So that was before. Okay. So in other words, there is uh, a need to, to for healthcare workers to be there. Now, if you're in a COVID setting, a COVID ward, one of the problems is you can't do your duty cycles the same way because someone will go to duty and then the idea is that the person, just to look out for themselves, will also go under self-monitoring or quarantine. So not everyone is in the hospital at the same time. So essentially, your workforce is cut in one-third or one-half depending on how you, how you do that. So on one side, you have decreased workforce, and at the same time, there is still that same demand. So the challenge to the hospital administration is really to balance out everyone's uh, welfare, at the same time being able to serve as many patients as you can. So with regard to um, handling the, the amount of beds, I think the limiting factor really is the healthcare worker, the human resources part. 
because it's easier to buy beds, it's harder to train nurses, it's harder to train physicians, it's harder to employ them because, like I'm Leslie said, it's the the entire idea of employment. Just because you say, may vacancy, it's 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 a whole uh, discussion and it's a whole. Okay, okay, thank you. I think it's very helpful given that usually what we just see in news are in uh, um, hospitals are turning patients away, and it's very important that. People are really informed about why that is the case. But it's not just a lack of beds. It's just not a lack of resources. It's more of just a lack of manpower. And really, just taking in more patients wouldn't work as it would also affect the quality of healthcare that these professionals are able to provide. And I think it's really important that people are more informed about that so that they don't make any haste judgments. They don't judge the healthcare professionals on the reactions and why they're doing these actions. As you know, this is really the sad reality that our healthcare sector is facing. I think it's very important for us to also listen to what Nurse Babasa coming from private hospitals. I think it's almost the same if it's the manpower and what we're talking about. Um, before, we have a separate ER for adults and a separate ER lung for aphelia. We only have two, R, two ERs, emergency rooms. But now, because what, because of COVID, um, we have three emergency rooms: one for the um, suspected COVID, one for our clean cases, and one for the uh, pediatric emergency rooms. So the pediatric emergency rooms was relocated at the fifth, at the sixth floor of the nursing tower, and the previous the ER was been um, changed to a uh, clean cases. Uh, for the patients, and the old emergency room was uh, dedicated to suspected COVID. So that's what the, uh, the, our hospital did for the first uh, months of of this pandemic. So um, another thing what we did was dun palang sa may um, ground floor or the sa area na sa ground area namin is. Ma'am, there are nurses na mag-assess na agad to all the people that's coming in and out, in of, in sa hospitals namin. There are questionnaires and there are a series of questionnaires lang is para ma-check if they have symptoms or not or if they have been exposed or not. Tapos saka lang sila i-redirect doon sa clean or doon sa dirty area. Um, I think I have to agree with Dr. Burba. Um, resources are in private hospitals as is is as much as, as much as possible, they are complete. Um, available sa mga hazmat, all the necessary gadgets, the respirator mask, some of us were, were provided, some of, some of us bought our own. Um, it's not just the, the, the availability of the bed, it also has to be the manpower. Before kami, um, one institute talagang relation namin sa ICU. Usually, one intubated or one patient that is critical and one patient that are um, just for monitoring. What happened here in the medical is we have to juggle the critically ill patient at the same time now with a side para that patient have to be monitored dahil he's ongoing CRRDs like a dialysis. It's a big um, adjustment for a nurse na Gusto mo bantayan pareho yung patient, both physically ill patients, ang hirap, yung hirap, okay? Um, we want 
expectations uh, maramdaman nila na we are there. But because yung mga patients na dumarating, COVID patients na dumarating sa ICU, it's really a little bit difficult. So, some nurses, because sobrang exposed na kami doon sa, sa area, yung COVID area, some of us have to be quarantined. Some of us get sick. So, what happens is, is mga babawasan ng manpower namin, sometimes we have, ayaw man namin gawin, um, nahilimit na namin yung hinahawakan namin o umaakyat sa ICU ng mga patients kasi hindi na namin sila, sila kayang i-juggle. So, we have to um, equalize yung um, we can admit patients but we have to make sure na naaalagaan namin sila ng maayos. So, I think it's both a problem is manpower. Um, difference lang siguro in a private and a, in a, and a public hospital, I think, is what sinabi ko kanina, it's, it's the financial the financial difficulties. Mas malaki yata yung entry level ng, ng public hospitals compared to sa private hospitals. Um, the problem, I think, is sa public hospitals is the equipments are not that so, um, ganun kadami or sustainable may bibigay ng government kasi the, I think the government is the one providing all the equipment and the materials. Sa amin naman, wala kami problema naman sa public. Ito sa, sa, sa mga gadgets and sa mga hatmat and everything. We are well provided for that. One thing more, what we did is to accommodate more COVID patients. What we did is, we have transformed three floors. Sa dating clean cases lang siya. So, tatlong floors na po yung nasa hospital namin, ang COVID areas. Um, one floor, we have converted it to a negative pressure uh, na, na, na rooms lahat. Before kasi limited lang kasi yung negative pressure. Uh, COVID positive patients need a negative pressure para mas hindi uh, mag-aerosolize yung, yung, yung air. So one floor was converted to a whole negative air pressure and two more regular floors have been converted to a COVID area um, room. So yun na ginawang adjustment ng hospital namin just to accommodate the, the, the COVID the suspect or the COVID positive patients. But we still have to admit um, or accommodate the hospital patients. Um, so we still left na ilang floors for them kasi hindi naman lang natin pwedeng disregard yung mga other patients that really need na not, uh, not just to be a patient of the very team kailang din namin accommodate sila kasi they still need um, the hospital for to take care for them. Yes. So, thank you po for sharing. Personally po, again, speaking from the perspective of like a regular student po, at the top of my head po kasi the problem are mostly from before knowing your thoughts po, it's mostly just equipment po, material, manpower. But from here po, I, I guess I understand na interconnected po lahat. It's really just, yun nga po, from uh, comparing public and private hospitals, nakikita niyo po yung differences ng problema nilang dalawa and also at the same time how they all have the same problems din po and that they all just have the same common goal which is to help our patients and to help improve the healthcare system and to call of course to call for action to call to action uh, different measures that we can do to make our frontliners job much easier so thank you po talaga for sharing that and I'm really enlightened po with your both of your sentiments and your thoughts po on that we talked about how a lot of the healthcare professionals had to take in a lot of extra work, extra load, 
and stuff like that to really adjust to the high demand and the high in- influx of patients, both COVID patients and non-COVID patients. So I think something to also help, just help more people be more informed is how does it work necessarily? If you're a doctor or a nurse handling a COVID-19 patient, will you also be the ones that are handling non-COVID-19 patients or are they completely isolated? Uh, well, the way we've learned how to handle this is we, we, we handle cancer patients. So undergoing treatment or even just the cancer, uh, they're already at a disadvantage. So as much as possible, we try to keep the two uh, rotating bodies apart. Okay, so if you're the person who's trying uh, to, to do the COVID ward rotations or you know, parang ally no, for, for COVID, um, usually you don't handle uh, cancer patients undergoing chemotherapy. You endorse that to the other physicians who are not or who would be capable of. And we try to keep that as much as possible. But there are will be instances that um, patient you thought was non-COVID turns out to be positive or develops um, during course of care. And to those things, the only protection you really can do is really to always talk to your patients. And at the same time, um, never let your guard guard down. Uh, so you always wear personal protective equipment that's appropriate to the area. The most important parts would be the mask and the face shield. If your uh, institution... Uh, suggests to wear something additional, then um, follow the recommendation. So as long as you protect yourself, even though you might be exposed, um, you generally should be safer. So protect yourselves at all. Okay, thank you. Um, how about for you, Nurse Leslie? Um, in a shift, you usually have seven nurses, 17 nurses in a shift. Usually 11 nurses in that shift usually is in the COVID area. And the rest will be on the clean area. So we try to separate them for the day. But in a weekly basis, clean or dirty. But within the day, strictly if you're in the COVID area, you cannot go in the clean area. Um, because of, uh, I am one of the senior nurses in the ICU, I act usually as a code nurse. A code nurse usually caters all of the patients in the ICU, whether it be clean or dirty. And all the patients that have an emergency response at the whole at the full hospital. So if there's a code, code white, we call it a code white, a rapid response system, I mean code white or code blue, we cater the patients, may it be in the clean or in the uh, in the, in the COVID area. So what we do na lang is we really have to remove our PPEs before uh, after every pasok namin clean as a dirty area and then change it to our old scrubs so um as much as possible uh, we try not to separate everything kasi baka magkakahawahan and everything but um the, the past few weeks what um naging strict na kami nakahalik na sa clean area we also have to wear proper PPEs like hindi lang regular mask we have to strictly implement na naka N95 na rin kahit sa clean cases why? Because whether we like it or not, there are really patients that we have to lie about their symptoms or what. Kasi naman naka-sama nila previously na meron pala silang positive patient na nakasama 
Tapos sabi nila sa, sa assessment area na they don't have any symptoms. Nalalaman na lang namin sa key area na sila. So, ganun na naging ibang minsan ang predicament namin. So, what we do na lang, whether nasa clean area or nasa dirty area, we still wear N95 and uh, respirator mask. We change our, uh, from our workloads inside the ICU. Um, iba ang workloads namin, iba ang outside clothes namin. So, yun lang ginawa namin um, para hindi questionable lahat, para just like para questionable na lang lahat para mas sure ang safety namin as doctors namin sa medical team. Okay, thank you po. So, I guess it's clear din po na important uh, important that we uh, stop the transmission of the virus. So, having uh, making sure that the COVID and non-COVID cases are separate and we prevent interaction, that really helps to stop in the transmission of the virus. So, thank you po for that. And since you mentioned nga po, yung pag kakaroon ng COVID-19 cases. Pan, um, is there a priority system po sa mga hospitals? For example, if there is a there's a patient who's non-COVID and there's also a COVID patient, do we have like some sort of priority system or how do we d- decide which patients will be admitted? So, uh, for Nurse Lessie po. Uh, usually sa emergency room or doon sa may um, admitting area na lang namin, sila na nag So, Usually, um, separate na nga yung emergency room namin to a COVID and a non-COVID. If their symptoms are presenting that are um, non-COVID symptoms, they usually they uh, admit it to the clean emergency area. Now, let's talk about this uh, COVID uh, area. If patients usually have, I think we're try, they're trying to limit kasi po talaga yung mga pumapasok sa ER. So, I think the asymptomatic patients na wala um, only cough or cold so malay lang ito matanto sa ER they're trying to recommend um, to transfer to a facility na lang because um, we're trying to uh, accommodate sana kasi sa emergency room namin yung mas critical ill yung mas merong severe symptoms para at least um, nasis na 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 nababalance namin yung, 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 yung kailangan dun sa may kailangan sa ER we only have limited um, bed sa ER. So, we're trying to accommodate kung ano yung ear or mas uh, na mga patients rather than dun sa mga asymptomatic or just a few coughing colds lang po yung pumapasok dun sa ER. Okay, thank you po. about uh, for you, Dr. Burwet? Is the same protocol? Is it the same process? Well, I think uh, as, as Ma'am Leslie said, uh, it really depends. It Usually, the prioritization happens in what you call the triage um, uh, just just for clarity, what, what we refer to as a triage is usually there's an officer at the entrance or at the start of uh, a healthcare encounter that initially asks uh, important questions. Is this person stable? Does this person need emergency care within hours? Or um, can this uh, person's condition be delayed to several hours or several days? Or is this a, an emergency at all? And by that, then that's where the priority happens. Um, the prioritization in terms of COVID and non-COVID, not so much. It shouldn't matter because if someone needs care, emergent care, they should receive emergent care, whether COVID or not. Um, I think the the question starts to come out is, are there COVID? Because you allocate certain beds for COVID and for non-COVID, and the, the, the question comes out, are there enough beds? Because if someone who doesn't have COVID um, 
wants to be admitted but there are no non-COVID beds, I think it would be equally inappropriate to admit them to a COVID area. So one of the nice or one of the important things that the DOH did come out of is the hospital command or the one command uh, hotline, which I think they're using now to coordinate better um, transfers from one center to the other. So that was very important because one of the challenges we've had or that patients have had is that they have symptoms and they don't know where to go. Because remember, the news says that there are so many, so many vacancies, but parang every time they go to a hospital, they say, puno na po, puno na po. So where are the vacancies? So um, if, if you think that you should be seen by a COVID center, um, it's best to coordinate. Okay, okay, thank you. Also, it was mentioned prior that there were instances of some patients either knowingly hiding that they have symptoms or they came in contact with people that were po- were COVID positive. What are the emergency protocols done if they were admitted to a non-COVID area? Uh, we'll start with Nurse Leslie. Um, at PICU, because we had cases like that, um, we have um, provided HEPA filters per room to the clean area. Namin. So if we know they have symptoms or if they are with a positive patient, naglalagay na nakaming HEPA filter inside. And when we have to go inside the room na nakahasma, kahit sa clean area, just to make sure. And an emergency swab agad-agad. If it turns out to be positive or suspect talaga siya, we transfer, we try to transfer the patient immediately to the COVID area para masigurado yung, kasi sa clean area yung yung yung, um, yung oxygen area or yung so we really have to transfer them immediately to the COVID area. May the patient be positive or suspected pala. Um, sana lang nga yung ibang patients still sent the truth para hindi nakakaroon ng ganitong problema inside the ICU or inside uh, in a hospital sana. All right, thank you. How about for you, Dr. Burba? Are there, is it the same? Is it different? Uh, well, for the most part, uh, it's the same. The priority is to move the patient to a COVID tip. And let's say someone was admitted and then they turned out to be COVID positive. The, the move is to, um, to transfer them almost immediately to a COVID-capable area and minimize contact. So after that, with regard to healthcare worker care, um, the, the baseline, pala, sorry, going back, the baseline is that, of course, we always wear our physical protective equipment, uh, personal protective equipment, and that the patients always wear masks as long as they can. Uh, the idea there is even if you do encounter someone who is COVID positive, the idea is that whether you know or not, um, you should minimize the risk. In fact, it might be healthier to assume that everyone just has. You know? So so that's why still maintain social distancing and things like that. So uh, in the case that, yun nga, may nakalusot, like you said, um, transfer. And then we call on the health service who does uh, contact tracing, if you will, identifying healthcare workers who have been in contact with the patient. And then they do risk assessment because if the, both the patient and the physician or the patient and the healthcare worker were wearing a mask in proper PPE, then the risk will probably be low. 
and then that as needed, um, we also do COVID swabs for the healthcare workers and monitor their symptoms. Um, but the important thing is still to try our best to protect the other patients and to try to protect the healthcare workers as much as we can. Okay, okay, thank you. So, as we know, COVID nineteen is it's really the first of its kind. Like this whole pandemic, it's something that is very unprecedented. At least for a lot of us, we haven't really experienced something this big in terms of the, what the people at the hospitals, the frontliners are experiencing, and even like even as students, we've had to cope with something that we haven't coped with before. But in terms of like the medical aspect, I'm not super um, in knowledgeable about it, but I'm sure there are also other highly infectious diseases that have been present in terms of like for the past two to three decades. So I think my question here is how different did your respective hospitals or even as respective professionals had to respond to COVID-19? Is it like really so much harder to contain than other diseases? How big of a step up was it in terms of like isolation and the different processes you had to do. Maybe to compare, if I remember a few years back, there was the SARS-CoV or something like that, that um, disease that I'm not sure how big it was, but I remember as a kid, my parents were like, oh, we have to stay at home. Oh, there's no classes. Oh, wear masks. So my question is, how much more worse is COVID-19? Or is it just that we weren't as prepared? Well, actually, that's a difficult question to answer in the sense that so many things come into play when it comes to kumbaga, what's different when it comes to COVID. Um, I'm not an infectious disease specialist, um, but from what I recall, the difference between this one and let's say uh, MERS-CoV or SARS-CoV, uh, the first SARS is that although MERS-CoV and SARS-CoV might have been deadlier in terms of case mortality rate, um, the present virus that we're looking at is much more infectious um, it's either that or we're much more aware because you also have to um, take into account the, the fact that we're a much more connected society now than we were 5 or 10 years ago so part of the human experience that we're having is that there's social media, there's much more presence of news, and that plays into so many parts of human experience. Um, but as a, as a medical experience, I guess it was a storm of a highly infectious disease um, with very interconnected people. Remember, there were so many people traveling in and out of the country, um, high-dense population, um, people weren't comfortable wearing masks. And um, there were elements also of communication that we're not sure, should we do this, should we do that, that led to what we eventually experienced. So uh, the virus itself is distinct, but we've also had experiences with other viruses that, um, for instance, influenza or the common flu that we experience in and out. And the only difference is that we're much more comfortable when it comes to flu, when it comes to wearing a mask, uh, vaccination, mm -hmm. and other things like that. So the, the fact that it was a new virus was also played in. Okay, thank you. Um, how about for you, Nurse Leslie, what are your thoughts? Um, as what Dr. Berba said, um, a difference, uh, we're not really that prepared, okay, in terms of 
comparing it to MERSCOV in this COVID. MERSCOV is um, limited lang people na nakakakuha uh, nito. It's just that limited but we are deadly. So, if you, you have contacted MERSCOV or SARS, usually the percentage I think is much more higher than the um, aspect of death. Compared to sub-COVID, um, they are more um, communicable, easily transferable compared to to SARS or MERSCOV. You know, the problem natin because mas transferable siya, um, and because of childhood pain naging vaccine people, sabi ang description kasi nila before that, it was a common cold. Yun na kasi yung description nung first pasok ng, ng SARS. It was a common cold tayo ng tao. Hindi, hindi, hindi na-anticipate agad-agad yung <clears throat> mortality na nakadikit dun sa, um, dun sa COVID. Um, noon kami mayroong mga balita dun sa SARS at MERSCOV. We try to be prepared as a private hospital aspect. Yun nga lang kasi hindi na expected namin kasi doon. Parang kaunti na yung tao na matakaroon ng ganitong cases. And compared sa COVID, sobrang para siyang uh, gush ng water ng ohan at sabay-sabay agad. Ang bilis ng buhos niya. So hindi prepared may it be a private or public hospital Kasi masyadong at the first pasok ng COVID, it was being skilled as, um, as a simple flu. So yun lang siguro, um, the government or the hospitals are not that prepared sa pagiging infectious or communicable ng COVID. Okay, so siguro po condensing both of your points, um, yun nga po, una-una, hindi po prepared. Like, uh, we really didn't expect for this to happen. I don't think uh, we, we uh, healthcare-wise, um, policy planning-wise, there really wasn't much in place for a pandemic such as this. And also po, there's also accountability on the part of the citizens. Kasi hindi lang naman po dapat yung yung hospitals, yung government po yung naghahanda to end or doing the necessary measures to protect the people. We as constituents also have to do our part, also be honest with um, in terms of contact tracing, in terms of um, our daily activities. It's an we're it's interrelated po. We have to be we have to help each other do our part as citizens, then the system falls. And it's the same for our healthcare system. So um, thank you po for sharing both of those sentiments. It really shows po na there should also be accountability on the part of the people and also on the part of our healthcare system in order to ensure na we're doing, we're being successful and being efficient po with the way we're handling the pandemic. So um, moving on po, I want to share po kasi na one of our major partners for We Champion is the Philippine Red Cross. And during our meeting po, one of the, they mentioned po na one of the biggest problems among our current healthcare institution are the lack of blood donors. Because of course, people are scared to go to the hospitals, to donate blood, and also just because of fear of contracting COVID. So what are your thoughts po? Because I understand it's really important that we get blood donations, may it be for uh, COVID cases or non-COVID cases. So what are your thoughts po on this? Uh, let's begin po with Dr. Berba. Uh, well, definitely, uh, you hit it spot on. Uh, one of the major problems is, is 
nagkukulang po sa dugo. So we don't have blood for several reasons. One is you said uh, people are afraid to go to the hospital. But also, especially March, April, May, even those who wanted to go to the hospital couldn't go because there wasn't um, public transport. There were roadblocks in place. So we couldn't, kumbaga, wala talagang way to go to the hospital. But I highly encourage and I'm asking people, please donate blood if you can. Um, I personally donated blood back in April and I plan to do so again. Um, um, my experience is for most blood uh, donation centers, for instance, in the Philippine General Hospital, we have our own that's still running. Um, and they're very professional. Um, I don't think you should be afraid to contract COVID there. I mean, not more than anywhere else because... Um, our med techs, our nurses, and our physicians who handle blood banks are very professional and they will look out for you. So please donate now. How about for you, Ponders, Leslie? Um, as much as possible, we try to encourage the relatives of the patients to donate, first and foremost. But then, we really need the patient. So usually, um, we help them to help the patient. But if, if we have to be realistic, totoo yung nauubusan kami ng blood sa blood bank. So, I hope yung seeking the citizen will really donate kasi uh, as what I have said, this sa triage area, we try to separate the clean and the, the dirty um, relatives or or yung mga visitors man lang sa, sa hospital. So, kung mag-donate ka lang sa blood, yung sa area, yung clean area ng hospital, you go around hospital para naman donate. So, I hope talaga um, people should donate para not just for the COVID patients. Okay. Thank you po. So, to our listeners, um, we really encourage you that if you can, if it's really possible, please try to donate blood. We'll also be linking different, uh, we'll also be guiding you um, through our other WeChampion initiatives as to how we can help as citizens into helping aid the pandemic and how to help our healthcare system. So thank you, Paul, for that. And um, I think uh, for our last two questions, this is more uh, on a perspective. Uh, we know, Paul, um, as citizens, now our government's current policies aren't really health-centered. And um, I believe that there's a lack of adv- uh, expertise. Uh, we haven't really consulted much experts from the healthcare system, it's more policy planning, but uh, what are your thoughts po on the government's response to COVID-19? And what are the things you believe they should pay attention to as of the moment? Uh, let's start with Dr. Berba po. Okay. Um, well, one, like the previous one, it's also a very difficult question to answer because when you say government, there is a lot of parts that are working. And um, the reality um, there are parts of the government that are working very hard in the right direction. Um, but looking at the facts, uh, looking at the trends, looking at the numbers uh, of new cases per day, uh, definitely we have a lot of work to do as a nation and as individuals. And I think that um, although um, despite what you hear in the news, definitely it's not a time to let our guard down. No, we we should still we still have a lot of cake. Union bottom line, and um, but as uh, as an experience, I think the Philippine General Hospital has been uh, fortunate, one of the luckier sides of the world, 
because government or no, we've received tremendous amounts of support um, in the hospital, in the main hospital, as well as in the cancer, cancer center. So thanks to everyone's support inside and outside the government, we're able to continue to take care of um, COVID patients and our cancer non-COVID patients. And we, we're still continuing to do so now. Now, looking to the future, um, I think we should really focus on keeping ourselves safe and trying to enact policies that are um, welcome, uh, evidence-based, and hopefully effective to help everyone uh, flatten the curve or uh, minimize the effect of the impact of it. Okay, thank you, Pod Dr. Berba. How about you, Po, Nurse Leslie? Um, so in my opinion, I think dapat po the government did. In my opinion, just to start pa lang nung, nung March, March or April, since pa lang nagkaroon na guard ng mass testing, such as for uh, in every in every barangay, in every city, should have, they have agad ang mass testing. And after that, they should have had a very reliable uh, contact tracing pa lang. What's, um, what's the effort of What's the effort na we have mass testing tapos hindi nagko-contact trace after yung mga nag-positive patients. Parang useless lang yan. Dapat it goes hand in hand. Um, government should have much more reliable na sana ng mga fake data regarding sa positive, sa negative, or dun sa humaling um, um, na, 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 na agad sa, sa COVID. I think um, kailangan din yun, yung critical data na pinipresent sa public. Um, so, naging effect na ngayon, ng after what, four months, five months, ang mas kailangan ngayon ng government as what I've said, a very reliable contact tracing para at least ma, uh, ma-corner mo na agad kung saan yung saan mas maraming people or maraming uh, areas na dapat i-separate mo agad because mas maayos mo yung contact. Thank you. So thank you for both of your very valuable insights on the government's response. With that, we'll move on to our final question. And this is, it can really be whatever you guys want to say, whether it's just tips to the public or just whatever. What message would you want for all of our viewers to hear? We'll start with uh, Nurse Leslie. Um, I think Talaga is wearing a mask, um, social distancing, and washing your hands is the most important thing. But I think ahead of this, you should be truthful to all your um, doctors, nurses, what really are symptoms. Po. Lying to them will not help. Saan ka man area, or it will not help. It will not help na para ibigyan ka lang ng attention that um, you're gonna lie about everything. That's the most important part of being an ordinary citizen. Um, being truthful to whatever you're feeling na nararamdaman para at least hindi na makalat, hindi na mahahawa yung mga frontliners, yung nurses, the doctors. Kung mauubos yung doctors, kung mauubos yung nurses, who will take care of all the patients na mas lalala pa o mas kung mas tatagal pa tayo? Kung mauubos kami, kung mag-aalaga sa kanila, as much as possible, be truthful, um, wash your hands, and simple wearing of masks goes a long, long way. Thank you. And how about you, Dr. Perba? Well, for one, let's get it. Definitely, I agree completely. 
wear a mask, social distancing, wash your hands. No, we've been saying that since March. Bayan, ma'am Leslie, no? Parang yun naman yung ever since, no? Um, because those are the ones that have the strongest that everyone can do. No, we always say in the healthcare industry, um, you you call us frontliners, but in reality, we're not the first line of defense. We're the last. No, um, by yeah. the time you come to the hospital, may sakit ka na. No, so where is the front line? The front line is really in the community. No, it's really with each individual ordinary citizen. So, uh, the way we can and we can. So, so the way we can see is really everyone should work together and uh, try to help one another. No, it's not a good place. We're not in a good place as a country. No. And we have to give up certain things. Those who are working, and I'm sure Ma'am Leslie knows, may mga give up tayo. Probably different work hours. Um, mga maliliit na bagay. Pag healthcare worker ka, yung kumakain ka yung lunch sabay-sabay ng unit mo, <laughs> da, masaya yun dati. Now, you have to give up. You have to give it up. No, If you're eating, you're eating alone. Bilang Pilipino, mahalaga pa naman yun sa atin. Um, try to think twice, thrice before the question, do you really need to go to the mall? Do you really need to go out? Um, I'm sure, um, and, and the question is, um, among healthcare workers, it's always a burden to see my grandparents. I haven't seen them since the start of all of this because I'm afraid for them. So we all have to give up certain things and that's part of what we all have to do because we can do this but you have to do, we have to pitch in. Wear a mask, wear a mask properly, no? Uh, from the nose to the chin. This is not a chin guard, this is a mask. If you're gonna wear a face shield, it's not a sun visor, it's a face shield, no? Social distancing, the recommendation of the WHO is one meter, if not two meters. So keep it there, no? Um, always wash your hands, no? Soap and water, if you don't have soap and water, alcohol will do. But th- those are the ones that are most important. There are a lot of other things that you'll hear, you know, UV wands or whatever, you know, fans or things like that. But if we all do the mask, the distancing, and the wash your hands, we should be okay. Um, we should be okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, we can do this. Uh, if, if there's one message, we can do this, but we all have to do this together. Okay. Thank you so much, Paul, for both of your sentiments. It really puts things into perspective. Um, I think from here, I can understand that everyone has an important role to play in this. It's not just our frontliners. It's not just our parents or the people going out. We all have to work together in order to curb the, uh, in order to uh, defeat this uh, virus. And also, it's really important that we hold ourselves, our families, the people closest to us accountable. Because with accountability, we can ensure that we're helping our frontliners in our own little ways. Because that's that's the common question we're all asking right now. Eh? As, as students, as kids, what can we do? Because we have, we're only here. We're here at home studying. That's at, at most share on social media. But our power is really restricted. And with your sentiments, we can all play a part in this. We have a long way to go. Yes, we've achieved progress at in, the, in these months, but we still have a long way to go. And for our listeners, it's important that we take what our um, frontliners said to heart because um, 
it's not just numbers it's not just statistics we're playing with life we're with we're handling lives here already been lost so um we really need to do our part and realize that this isn't just um a part of history it's really gonna make a huge impact not only um among us today but also in the future in terms of health in terms of politics economics there's a lot in play and we really really need to do our part so thank you for this inspirational and very educational message for us and for our audiences okay so thank you so much dr miguel berba and nurse leslie babas for your insights on how things really are during these trying times hearing firsthand and in in-depth about the struggles of our frontliners and their experiences and also the problems and mismo operations of our healthcare system and the, what they face. It really helps put things into perspective as Macy was talking about. And it, I hope it also gives our frontliners, frontliners much needed reassurance knowing that there are people out there who truly care and will really emphasize with their struggle. So we hope that our viewers and listeners will be able to internalize all the pertinent information that was disseminated throughout this podcast and that they in turn pass on these learnings to their friends, family, and more. So, so we wish you all the best and we hope that you continue to stay healthy while taking on the dignified tasks of healing others and saving lives. So to our frontliners and health professionals out there, we are behind you every step of the way. And that's all for today, folks. 